Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, the Flyers are coming off an interesting weekend back-to-back set on the road. They go into Carolina. They beat the Hurricanes 2-1, to a team that was 10-1-0 going into that game. But then they go into Dallas. They get two key players back, Ryan Ellis, Kevin Hayes, and they lose to a Stars team that didn't have a regulation win yet. They lose 5-2. to two. Just a, kind of a very interesting weekend. Maybe you thought it would go the other way around. But I wanted to ask you this. I didn't. I thought yeah. it was going to go exactly how it went, honestly. I mean, I'm not lying when I said that. I think I think I thought it was going to play out exactly how it played out. Sorry, go I, ahead. I cut you off. No, it's it's very true. I was kind of thinking to myself as I was following the games over the weekend. I was like, this is very Flyers-like. Uh, get this great win in Carolina. And when, when people's hopes are kind of up, they go into Dallas. They get these two reinforcements back, and boom. They kind of lose in disappointing fashion in terms of the 5-2 margin. So, well, it's too early in the season for people to for the Flyers to really um, sell themselves to the public. That happens in like January, February, March. It doesn't happen now. I don't does. know why anybody expects it to happen now. It doesn't happen right now. Sorry, go ahead, Dor. No, Terrence, well, I will pose this question to you. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Were you more pleased with that win in Carolina or were you more disappointed by the result in Dallas? I think I was more pleased by the win in Carolina because I think um, the, the, the part about the Dallas loss that concerns me the most isn't really a ton to do with like particulars within the game so much as it is that they're going to have to play 15 more back-to-back. So they do have to figure out how to manage that. Um, but that was a really – I don't know if I've mentioned it 8,000 times on this podcast or not, but like I've, I've traveled with the team before I've seen behind the scenes and like what it's physically like to get, you get done playing and and you get done playing a game. That's like a huge win for this team. um, And you don't even have like an hour to like decompress. You get right on a plane the flight to Dallas is like, I think it's like a few hours from Raleigh. I'm not particularly sure, but um, you get right on a plane, you fly to Dallas, you get on a bus, you go to the hotel, you get to the hotel, you wait for your room key, get up to your room. You finally decompress like four hours after the game. And then you go right back out and you play a Dallas team that's been sitting at their homes for six days. So I, I think there were some major caveats to like why Dallas looked like they had so much more jump than the Flyers for a lot of that game that being said and and uh Alan I talked about it on the pregame show or the postgame show is like Flyers had two first period power plays really like it it with you look at the personnel they have they should be able to score on power plays at will and they haven't been able to score on power plays at all and if you score two power play goals or just one, 
you, the, the rest of the game looks, I think, so different, especially because that Dallas team is mentally, it seems like a little fragile. And they just, they had no reason to, to feel defeated within that game. Um, whereas I think the Carolina win is a good win against a good team um, on like a normal kind of schedule type of situation. So, um, and I saw somebody say that Carolina's record's deceiving because they haven't played anybody good. That's not true. So if you go look at Carolina's schedule, that is not true. And if we've learned anything from the games we've seen so far this season, it's really, it's anybody's game on any given night. It's about like sheer willpower most of the time. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more sold on the Carolina win, but the thing that just pisses me off so much, I know I'm pro rough scored on the power play, but the power play can't be that, that bad over two games too. It's just not going to work. So what about you? Which one, which one carries more weight in your eyes? Could not agree more with you, Taryn. I think the Carolina win for me carries a little more weight because you know what? The Flyers were God awful last year trying to prevent goals. And here they go into a really difficult building to play in. They get the Carter Hart of old who we've gotten the Carter Hart of old all season so far, which is one of the biggest storylines. Uh, they allowed more goals than anybody in hockey last year. And right now, overall, they are preventing goals at a much better clip. And to me, that that holds much more weight because I don't know about you, but I think they're going to start scoring goals. I have a feeling they're going to start scoring goals. I'm not overly concerned about that. So to me, yeah, the Carolina win, the Dallas game, you know, Kevin Hayes is coming back after a long time not playing. Ryan Ellis probably had some rust, probably didn't feel quite like himself. And they're also playing the third game in four nights. So and I'm not making excuses for it. It was disappointing if you're a Flyers fan, but I think the Carolina win, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling towards that one more. Well, and the, the goal scoring thing too is, hey, you're right. I don't, I really don't think this is a Flyers team that's going to score two goals a game for the rest of the season. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. A, and B, we knew at some point that this exact issue was going to happen where Kevin Hayes would get healthy again and you want to play him again. And he very clearly looked slower than we're used to seeing him because what, like, what else did you expect after an abdominal injury and missing all that time? Um, good news is Ryan Ellis came back in and played a hefty chunk of minutes and played well. And I think that's, that's a huge takeaway because that was concerning. Like if he looked like he was slow or like not able to push off on one leg because of his, his injury, um, I would have been more concerned, but we knew you're going to deal with this where they were going to have to change essentially everything top to bottom in order to accommodate putting Kevin Hayes back in the lineup. I do hate the current kind line combinations. If I'm being honest, I, uh, I don't, I hope and pray they won't stick with those. I don't think they work, but I'm not paid millions of dollars to coach this team. Elaine Bino is, so he probably knows something I don't know. Um, but you, you knew at some point they were going to play Tetris with the cap and with players and line combinations in order to make it all work. And so the Flyers are going to run into this issue anyway. Um, it's probably actually sneaky, a decent thing that they ran into it on the second day of a back-to-back when they kind of had every excuse not to play well. And then they have a few days of practice before they play again. So um, – also, Oscar Lindblom can't be on that fourth line. I'm sorry. That's all. Like, when we're talking about the line combinations, I just – I can't – I okay. This wasn't a topic we were going to talk about, but I'm going to just 
changed course here a little bit, Jordan. Let's go. What would you like, what would you like to see these lines look like? Because I think that top line, despite the fact that they have not had really, they have not jumped out at you at all in the past few games, the top line of G Coots and TK, I would like to see stay together. But beyond that, like, what do you want to say? <laughs> no, it's a fair question. I, 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 I also had the same feeling. I didn't love seeing Oscar Limbaugh on the fourth line, but maybe that's a testament to the team's depth. And maybe that's also a reason for why, you know, or, or maybe the reason being behind it is Oscar hasn't scored a goal yet. And maybe that's, they're saying, Hey, we, you know, when you produce, you play in a higher spot in the lineup and Oscar hasn't, produced from a goal scoring standpoint, but I think he's been okay uh, from an overall game standpoint, but I'm not sure exactly how I feel about the lines, but I do think that played a factor into the result in Dallas too. Taryn, exactly what you said. You're totally that everything was changed up on the D pairs uh, and also uh, at the four groups uh, because of those two additions to the lineup. So I think it could take some time to get chemistry there, but what and, would you and- well, and to, to that point about the, the D pairs being all shifted up, the only two players in the game who weren't with new people were Risto and Sanheim. Right. And Sanheim was probably the most noticeable player in the game. Yeah. And the pairing together had another game where you go, this pairing might work. They played pretty well, like in a game where you couldn't really say that about a lot of people. So, um, Again, that's a positive because you do want to see those two gelling together. You want to see Proby and Ellis gelling together. So there are some positives to take away. Um, I think uh, I, I would like to see JVR back on the third line. I, I think you keep Joel and Atkinson with Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes and Joel have good chemistry. Like there's something about them plays well together. And, and I would like to see them with Atkinson because I think he's a little more goal hungry than either of them. Um and then I think when you get to that third line, like a JVR, Broussard, Lindblom combination, and then who's left? Lawton would, would bump down to the fourth, which is a shame because Scott Lawton's a, a good player, but I think he's better at fitting into that like grinder role if he has to. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, I don't know that it works with Oscar, but then you look at Lawton and he's produced and Oscar points-wise hasn't, so you understand the logic behind it, but – I just the, I saw those lines before the game and I was just like, yikes! Like <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna work. Um, so you know, but they have practice today. We're both going. We'll see how it looks. We'll see what they put out there because I would be surprised if it looks the same as it did to start last game. But you never know. The lane you know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Karen, before we kind of shift gears a little bit, 
Speaking of the bottom six, Nicholas Albe Kubel put on waivers, claimed off of waivers by the Colorado Avalanche as Taryn does the he's going, he's the flying clip, to Colorado. The clipped yep. and fly. Yep. Yes, clipped and flied. Um, so yeah, I, I said fly. <laughs> clipped and flied. Clipped and flying? Flown? Flew. Clipped and flew. flew. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> but Nicholas Albe Kubel, his time with the Flyers is is over. Uh, overall, what did you think of that? I, I think some people were bothered by losing a player for nothing, but um, that's kind of the life of the NHL. You didn't lose a player for nothing. You lost a player for Kevin Hayes. Very <laughs> that's, true. that's my argument to, that, to them. I'm like, you guys, you lost a player for Kevin Hayes, A. And B, if you're not going to look at it that way, you really lost a player for like Derek Broussard. That's, or, you know, whoever, well, I guess it wouldn't be Broussard anymore. It'd be more like McEwen, who has a goal. Um, so I don't know. And, and like Nate Thompson, I feel like is constantly on the ice. So it was bound to happen. It's a shame because towards, I think the middle and end points of 2019, 2020 season before the COVID pause, you, you go, okay, he's really going to develop into the, the exact bottom six type of guy. The flyers want the exact type of bottom six guy. Elaine Vigneo wants. Problem is, is we saw that for a few months and we never saw it again. And we hadn't really seen it before then. And, and the thing that we had seen throughout all of it were issues, bad penalties, questionable decision-making. And I really like Nick. I like working with Nick. It seems like he's a tremendous work horse of a player. Like he came in and camp in phenomenal shape. All the coaches couldn't say enough good things about how much work he put in, in the off season. But, um, at the end of the day, his, his game never redeveloped back to what I think people were hoping they would see again. And his issues did persist and continue to be the same issues. So wasn't surprised. I mean, now he's in Colorado, so uh, he'll be stoked. It's a great city and a good team. So, I mean, it worked out for him, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't lose Nico Bay Cubell for nothing. And I think when you look at the way Zach McEwen has been playing, that's a trade-off I would take too. Uh, Zach McEwen's motor in some of these games is unreal. Um, and he's got a goal, you know, do I think he's perfect? No, but I think he's actually less of a liability than Nick was. So what are you going to do there? Yeah, and I think with Nicholas Albe-Trubel, I'm with you. I share the same sentiment, Taryn, in the fact that I enjoyed him. I think he's a good guy, um, and kudos to him for really carving out his role in the lineup in 2019-20. They tried just about everyone before him uh, in mm-hmm. their bottom six. He comes up, and he sticks. Uh, like That takes a lot, so good for him. And he's a really effective fourth liner when he's not taking penalties and he's forechecking and he's you know having those effective – shifts uh that set up your top two lines but i hate you know what i want to say is you can find these types of players and i mean the flyers found two of them off of waivers earlier mm-hmm. this season just plucked them right off they put them in your lineup and they bring the same qualities so when you're down to a crunch like that a roster crunch and a money crunch tough decisions are made and you, and you take two of the guys that you know probably would have gotten claimed back you keep them on your roster and you have to try to sneak a guy through waivers and sometimes they get claimed, but I think he's a good player. I think Nicholas Albe Kubel is a good player. I wasn't the best in Colorado, but you can find those types of players. And I think also the, 
Wade Allison's presence, I think, made Nicholas Albi Kubel a little expendable because when Wade Allison mm-hmm. gets back, he's a guy that slots right into that bottom six, a guy that can score goals, plays, uh, you know, plays hard, four checks, does all the things uh, that you want in your bottom six. So I think eventually, sometimes you just have to make those decisions. Yeah, and uh, I think if you don't, I, you had to cut somebody because mm-hmm. you, you had to. Um, and I think if if you'd cut Zach McEwen, we'd all be sitting here going, I think that's a mistake. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I know most people have seen the growth of Nico Bay Bell. So they look at the potential of Nico Bay Bell, and we didn't have that experience with Zach McEwen. So maybe there's more of a affection towards Nick and his uh, potential to develop. But I think, I mean, to be fair, and this is probably a really dumb argument to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. Elaine Vigneault loves a French Canadian, loves a French Canadian player, loves a French Canadian coach. And Nick is about as French Canadian as they come. If there's anybody who's going to advocate for Nick to continue to be on this team, it would be Elaine Vigneault. And I think at some point he probably was like, this is not what's best for the team. Not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying like, there's any doubt that like Nick got his fair shot to make his case. Uh, if anybody was going to give it to him, it would be Elaine Pena. hundred percent. And the Flyers probably felt like they had the best read possible on Nicholas Solvey Kubel. They didn't want to lose him. You don't like to lose players for nothing. Like it's not like Chuck Fletcher had no problem saying they had to put, put a NAK on waivers. It wasn't that, but I mean, they, they, they've known him since the middle of 2019, 20. Uh, they had him on power play in that season. So they gave him a really good look all 2019, 20, when he came up in December, uh, obviously saw him all of last season and and for part of this season. So I, I forgot he was on the power play. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, forgot. yeah, they, they gave him good opportunities to kind of say, hey, she knows what you can do, stick here. Um, so they gave him good opportunities and and they continued to put him in the lineup even when he sometimes took uh, ill-advised penalties. So they gave him a good look. Uh, they got a good read on him and they made a tough decision, but. Yeah. Terrence, shifting gears a little bit, three home games this week for the Flyers, Tuesday, Woo-hoo. Thursday, Saturday, all on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You can catch Taryn on pre- and post-game live. Uh, a good week, I think, Taryn, for the Flyers to really win over some more fans. If fans are kind of on the fence about this team, do you feel like this is a good opportunity for them to kind of pull them back on their side? Well, if they win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, especially because it's Boston at the end of the week, right? I think if you go and you play well for two games, get points out of two games, and then you can beat Boston at home, I think that's – because everybody still considers Boston as, like, that measuring stick, and the Flyers really beat up on them early in the season. And I think now there's a lot of people looking at those first few, like, what, like, handful of games – and I think they kind of thought maybe they were fluky and teams, like, figured it out against the Flyers. I, I think if you can still get through the week and beat Boston at the end of the week, I think that goes a long way with people, um, especially because you do have – you already have the film and the game to measure yourself against having played them already once at home. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it, it's a big week, that's for sure, because I think there's a lot of people that are very confused by this team. and. Um, and they do, I, they do need to establish, I think, a little bit more. I know it's early, but a little bit more of an identity. And it's easier to do that in front of your home crowd, I think. And it's 
I think more galvanizing to do it in front of your home crowd too, because everybody is, is reinforcing what you're doing as you're doing it. So it could be a huge week for the Flyers, but they, they need to start scoring goals. Like I know JJ kind of, I could tell he was getting a little mad. You guys, I don't know if you guys can pick up on it, but I can pick up on it. JJ was a little annoyed with me on air because I was really like going in on the team about how much they've struggled to score goals over the past few weeks. And he was like, you know, let's not forget that they played that game against the Capitals not so long ago, where they played maybe the best 40 minutes of hockey that they played all season um, to start the game. And it's like, yeah, but they still can't score goals. You can play a really good hockey and JJ's right. I'm not trying to say anything. I love JJ, but I, I, I remember the 2018, 2019 season when there would be multiple games where, like the Flyers would actually probably play better hockey than certain teams and just would not score goals. And the other teams would sneak a couple goals in. And then guess what? At the end of the day, we're just looking back at the record. We're not looking back at the game. I think they need to get back to a place where they're scoring more goals because as well as Carter Hart is playing, you cannot ask him to play the way that he's played. I mean, you can, but you can't not support him with goals and ask him to play the way he's playing night in and night out. It's going to, it's, it would wear on anyone, I would think. So, uh, yeah, I need it to be a goal scoring week. Plus it sucks. We do intermission live. We have no goals to talk about you guys. Like you don't even understand. I just sit here and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> we're going to talk about a bad power play again because that's what you have to talk about. But like, shoot, it sucks so bad. Me and Scott sometimes just walk downstairs and we're like, Let's just let's just bash the power play again. Let's go, you know. And it's and it sucks. So I would like some goals, Flyers. Personally, do it, Flyers, do it for the pre and post game live crew. <laughs> Seriously, if for if for no other reason, if you're not going to do it for yourself or your families or the pride of your family name, do it for the intermission live crew. Yeah, because I just sometimes two minutes feels so long. Yeah. So. <laughs> No, and, and Taryn, I, I will say, too, like, I, I've been noting how they haven't lost consecutive games yet. It's a pretty nice little feather in your cap, but they also haven't won consecutive games since October. They haven't won consecutive games in November yet, and that's not the best way to win over fans. Uh, it's just not. Win-lose, win-lose. Um, that, do, uh, that doesn't do you any good in terms of building excitement among the fan base and trying to convince fans, Hey, we're a different team than last season. At least do what they did in October of 20 or November of 2019, where they would like win, lose in overtime, get a point, right. win, lose in overtime, get a point. Win like that month where they had like the most points in franchise history in a month or in November, whatever it was, it was November, yeah. like they didn't win a ton of consecutive games that month. If I remember properly, they just didn't lose. Like they lost in overtime or they lose in a shootout, which yeah, it sucks. I get everybody goes home and you don't really feel fulfilled, even though it's like a point, but it's a point and that matters. It's also why I'm not that mad that they lost to Dallas and beat Carolina because it's a four point swing. If you beat Carolina within the Metro, it's just, you lose the two points if you beat Dallas or if you lose to Dallas. So um, yeah, I, yeah, they just, I need them to get points. I need them to get goals. I need them to, um, they, yeah. No, that's perfectly put. Get some more points. Uh, take advantage of those games that you do lose. So, you know, it's those. You're so right. Like I always leave those games thinking, like, eh, they still lost. But it, like, no, those points will add up. Very true. Taryn, last but not least, alumni game tonight, uh, Monday, yeah. Monday, Monday night at the Wells Fargo Center. You pumped for it. 
Yeah, I'll be there in the crowd, though. I'm not, like, working. I'll be there. So you're going to be there. Say hi. Or at your own risk. Who knows what's going to be happening. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually all day. I'm in the middle of a bunch of interviews. I have Mike Keenan coming up and then Rick Tockett and maybe Linda Ross and LeClaire, although I just got an email saying that might get canceled. So, um, yeah, there's a lot going on today. But it'll be fun. It'll be really cool. I'm excited to see um, – the the Scott squad, they have like all the Scots on the same group. Yeah. Um obviously excited to see Darian Hatcher, my my not related Uncle D. Um <laughs> and I, there's a lot of them. There's there's a lot of uh yeah. a lot of players I'm excited to watch. There's a lot of like it used to be it's this is how I also know that I'm like getting older. Um is it there used to be a lot of like oh, these are Flyers legends that, like, my parents grew up watching in the game. And now I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I watched these guys in high school. Yeah. And now they're in an alumni game. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and then you feel old. So, but it's exciting because it is, like, it's weird to see Scott Hartnell not playing in an NHL game and playing in an alumni game, but I'm excited to see it. Plus, I think he didn't, I don't think he put on skates, like, other than to, he, he's, like, his son is starting to skate. I don't think he's put on skates really at all for this. So, what can he do? He's going to wing it. I love it. Uh, yeah, it should be a great time. Taryn Hatcher, I know you're busy because you have a ton of interviews, but cannot wait to see all of them with all these Flyers alumni. It should be a real treat. Thank you so much for your time, as always. A special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast guru and producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.